Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm talking about a few different subjects today with my guest because she has many different interests and experiences. One of them is breast implant illness, um, children's health because she is a mum to two young girls, and then the importance of supplements, particularly high quality supplements. So we're going to cover a wide range of subjects, but today my guest is Courtney Bursich, who is a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, a board certified holistic health coach, and a passionate health hacker who focuses on optimizing female hormones and taking an individualized approach to healing. After facing postpartum health issues and undergoing breast explant surgery, Courtney was able to reclaim her health by becoming her own advocate and finding her bio-individualized path to wellness. As a health coach, she now strives to help other women do the same through her coaching business, functional lab testing, and supplement line, Plant RX. So welcome, Courtney, to the podcast. Vivian, thank you so much for having me. This is such a treat. I'm really excited to have some conversation with you today. Absolutely. And could you start off by going into your health journey in um, more detail? You can take as long as you want, because I'm guessing it's been a bit of a journey. It has. You know, I never really thought I would be here doing this and having these conversations. But one thing has led to another just in my own personal health journey. And truthfully, it all began after I had kids. Um, I kind of always thought I was healthy. You know, my body physiology and my diet were always, you know, somewhat average, normal, probably more health forward. So wasn't doing a lot of fast food and exercising and felt pretty good. But you know, pregnancy will throw your body for a loop, (laughs) hormonally, especially. And then you add in the responsibilities of motherhood and, and the responsibility of taking care of another human, another life. And there's no book on how to do that. (laughs) So, I mean, there's a lot of books on tips and pearls, but, you know, nothing can prepare you for motherhood except for just, you know, diving in and just experiencing it. Um, But what I found is that, you know, my body wasn't responding the same way postpartum as it was before. I I felt that I could just do the same things. I could do the same workouts and eat the same foods and I should yield the same result. But I was finding that I was implementing all those strategies and I was feeling burned out and tired and irritable and just this overall feeling of, of unwell and unrest. Just, I, I just wasn't the person I thought I was before. It was like I was living in a body that was not mine. And I couldn't understand how things went from feeling totally fine, never obsessing about food, to working so hard to manipulate every single aspect of my day and life so that everything lined up perfectly so I could feel good. And yet I felt worse. Um, And so I started talking to different doctors and started testing hormones and quickly found that some things were a little dysregulated and there were some, um, you know, hormone replacement therapy. End of the day, it wasn't helping me get to the root cause. So I kind of began this quest of trying to figure it out on my own. And I'll be honest, like everybody else, I just Google searched and was on Pinterest and started following people. And as I began to learn a little bit more about my body, I was starting to see these favorable responses and it got me very excited. And I thought, okay, I can figure this out. I could probably help other people do it. And so just months of kind of helping friends and family started to put me on a trajectory to build a business out of this. And so I went and got my FDN um, 
certification, started running a lot of functional labs and, you know, the rest is history. Here I am. And it's, it's become such a passion of mine because I know that people, if they just had the right resources and the right tools, that they could start making some positive changes. They could start implementing some strategies at home. You don't need everything. They just need the right things for them. So it's all about creating this new perspective and relationship with your body. And when you can start honoring what it is that you're working with and quit trying to force your body to fit another person's mold, then you start to feel your best. You're treating your body as an individual and not just, well, this is just this vessel I'm stuck with. And I don't understand why it doesn't, it works for somebody else. And this isn't working for me. Um, and, and you really develop kind of a new sense of appreciation for, for your body as well and what it's capable of. Well, that you said that because even if someone's listening and they're thinking, I also was really tired and maybe struggling with weight gain after my pregnancy, um, then the root causes can still be quite different for both people. And I'm interested, was that your experience after the first pregnancy? And if so, what was the second pregnancy like or postpartum period? Yeah, you know, the second one, <laughs> the first one was probably the biggest shock to my body because you go from zero kids to one kid. And you're like, whoa, my whole world is turned upside down. One to two, you know, you're kind of in like a kid rhythm a little bit. Um, but mine are about two years apart. So I felt like right as I was really starting to hit my stride after the first one, I got pregnant again. And I will say the second pregnancy was a lot easier because it was those first six months after my first child where I thought I have got to figure something out. This is not, this cannot be the road that I'm on where I just feel inflamed. I feel tired. I feel agitated. Um, I just wasn't happy with the way that I felt and I knew there was something off. There was just something wrong. So that's when I really was just, you know, I thought, okay, I'm in charge of my household. I, there's a lot of things I can't control, but the things that I can control, what we're eating, what we're doing, what the climate is in our home, those are the things that I'm going to invest my time in. So I'm going to invest you know, my time in understanding what clean household products to use and what foods to buy and how to prepare them and just how to start making changes, shifts and modifications for things just to improve them a little bit. And I think that's one thing that can go a long way for people. You know, some people get really bogged down. Like I know I did. The more you start to learn, you start to get this like fearful mentality that you're doing everything wrong. And you don't have to have everything right for your body to heal. You just have to start doing anything. Just take one small step at a time. Make one healthy swap for foods. Take one fragrance and chemical in your household and get rid of it and bring something in that's, um, that's more natural based. And every time you make one of those small steps, you get your body a little bit more um, equipped to do its healing work. So the body's going to do the job for you, but you just have to remove some of the things that are standing in the way. And then you can help fill the gaps for areas that maybe have been neglected for a long time. So don't ever feel, you know, if you're listening and you feel like, yeah, it's, it's overwhelming starting to think about all the things that are burdening our bodies. There are a lot of things. And I, I remember feeling like anxiety and stress initially thinking I have been doing everything wrong my entire life. How am I still alive? And then, you know, I thought if I don't turn things around, everything's going to fall apart, but that's not the case. I just started doing one small thing at a time. So that's why I love listening to podcasts. I love reading books because it's always just one, like you don't need to digest and process everything, but maybe there's just one thing that resonated with you that you're like, oh, I have never thought of that, or I've never tried that. And it could be one thing that really takes where you are now and it gets you to the next level or gets you closer to feeling your best. My anxiety levels are already heightened after pregnancy, aren't they? Just with motherhood. So add on top of that pressure and stress, trying to be perfect with your diet and lifestyle, it can really board on um, borderline orthorexic. So you're trying to be perfect and that is actually more negative a lot of the times than just eating a not so clean diet. You have to have some balance there. What were some of the biggest changes that you made that made the um, most impact for you personally? The nutrition was probably the biggest piece of the puzzle. 
Um, I, you know, like I said before, I was doing a lot of cooking in our home. We weren't eating out a lot. I wasn't eating processed foods, um, but I was, you know, using things, probably oils and, and um, things that you would prepare foods in. You know, we were using pots and pans that were, you know, coated in Teflon and they were from like years before they all had the little fork grooves where everything, you know, you're not supposed to use anything like that to like stir stuff. So there were just a lot of little things that um, I noticed in the way that I was preparing meals, you know, at the time too, I was doing a lot of whole wheat because whole wheat's supposed to be healthy. And so we were doing a lot of grains and that was a portion of all of our meals. Um, and now, you know, we are totally gluten-free that i that was something that I realized very quickly that, um, grain is not what it used to be, especially wheat. And so, you know, as I became more educated on the effects of gluten and our gut lining and leaky gut, I realized, okay, this is something that we've got to pull out. Um, and understanding too, just inflammation in general, because every person is a little bit different. And, and I use a lot of functional labs too, like the MRT food sensitivity test, because a lot of foods that are even very healthy for people, if their immune system is dysregulated in any way, they can be reactive to very healthy foods, nutritious foods. And so every time, you know, especially if we're consuming them on a regular basis, which most of us are eating a lot of the same variation of, of foods. Um, you could just be creating tears in that gut lining over and over and over again. And it's just going to keep you from healing and it's going to leave you vulnerable to gut infections and other forms of disease because all disease is rooted in inflammation. So you have that long-term inflammatory cascade in the body. You are leaving yourself and your defenses down to developing autoimmune disorders and a number of other problems. So, you know, getting the nutrition right is can take some time um, and it may require for some people, if you just have symptoms, you can't seem to resolve, you know, they could be skin issues. It could be brain fog, the insomnia, it might not be GI related, but that doesn't mean that it's not rooted in the GI system somewhere. So, uh, you know, getting out sugar, I was a chocoholic. So I, I, every day I had to have some sugar. So I got, you know, all sugar out for a while. Now some natural forms of sugar are fine. Um, and then, you know, really resetting my metabolism by not being so glucose dominant, like all those grains and pastas and things like that, that just put me in like a blood sugar coma. Um, that was really, really important in, in shifting some metabolic, uh, abilities. What about for kids health? So I've got in my mind, I don't have any kids currently, but I'm thinking in the future, like they'll be eating green smoothies and like healthy, healthy foods like that. I know it's probably not going to happen. But um, do you have any tips on keeping children healthy and especially for picky, fussy eaters? Uh, I wish there was an easy answer to this because I even had my six-year-old this morning like balking at her breakfast and it's, it's an everyday challenge. I mean, my kids are nine and almost seven now and it's still to this day, just a trial and error. You know, what is it that you will tolerate or that you will eat? I will say if you can kind of get out of your own way, because I think as parents, especially as we become more educated on, you know, the, the health value of nutrition, what that piece of the puzzle means to our bodies, we feel like we just need to drive it home with our kids. Like you will have, you know, freshly juiced spinach and kale every morning. Um, and then kids already start having this negative association because the experience around their meals is so traumatic. I mean, I have for sure had my plenty, you know, plenty of days where I'm like screaming at the kids and, and it's like, everybody's stressed out. I'm like, well, this is not a really good experience. For They're not going to be digesting the food very well. <laughs> yeah, not at all. And then the rest of my day, I mean, that's like how we're all starting our day. I'm like, that is not how I envision this going down. And yeah, there's a huge influence on digestion with that level of stress surrounding your meals. So have an open mind. If you're a mom and you're like, well, I just can't get my kids to eat. Well, me either. So we're in the same boat. But I have found that getting them involved in some of the shopping and cooking can be helpful because it allows them to be a little more curious and explore different flavors and textures of foods without there being this 
pressure to force everything down their throat. So sometimes it can be, you know, if you've got young, young kids, taking them shopping might give you anxiety. But when they get, you know, to an age like four or five, it can be fun to go to farmer's markets or the bulk bin section and where you can get small um, quantities of food. So it might be figs or maybe some nuts and seeds, um, but they can try things in a small amount. And I just let them pick, you know, some of the stuff is, is, is maybe not as healthy as others. So find the things that you know are just single ingredient foods and say, oh, have you ever tried a little dried mango? Oh, let's get a little piece and you can try it. And when there's no expectation on them and they, and, and they don't have any association that I'm gonna dislike this, you know, they're way more open-minded to it. And I've found that I can piece together a lot of meals because I've allowed them just to experience things without any thinking ahead of time where they, they're expecting it to be something they hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, give yourself some grace. Kids' palates are, are funny and they do change quite a bit. So it's a struggle, but if you stick with it, it does pay off. You just have to be diligent. Just keep giving them the different exposures on a regular basis. Definitely. And you've got to practice what you preach because they're constantly looking at the parents for kind of inspiration and education as to what a healthy diet is so if you're not eating your vegetables then you can't expect them to do the same me and my brother actually having a conversation the other day about how we've always had a pretty balanced relationship with food so we grew grew up eating home-cooked meals the majority of the time but we would still have some junk every now and again and some takeaways and um, pizza and those types of things so it's never been that we were told that we have to eat healthily and then we've gone completely the other way or we didn't grow up with a mum who was constantly dieting and those types of things so um, I've always had a pretty good body image and relationship with food apart from when I was trying to heal my skin and my gut I did go down a little bit of the orthorectic path but yeah it's an important point just to be patient just give different things a try and just understand that it's probably a temporary thing that you just have to persevere with and get through. Absolutely. Yes, it is temporary. The second you think you've got anything figured out with kids (laughs) will change the next day. I'm telling you, it's like, you're like, man, I'm crushing parenthood. And then the next day your child is like done a 180. (laughs) (laughs) Something to look forward to, I guess. I'm very like organized type A perfectionist. So I'm guessing that's going to be a struggle. (laughs) (laughs) Will also pose some, some challenges. It keeps you humble. I will tell you that. True control little humans you know and they will keep you humble so (laughs) another part of your health journey that I do want to touch on I'm not sure when this happened in terms of the timeline but you had at one point breast implants and then maybe your health started to decline tell me a little bit more about that experience yeah you know I actually got them after my second was born so about a year later So all of you moms, if you breastfed kids and you don't even have to be a mom to probably know what gravity does and, you know, breastfeeding does to to your breast tissue. Um, And yeah, I felt very insecure really about the way that my chest looked. And I thought like, I am not getting in a bathing suit with my kids like this. It just, it's not what it used to be. And I just honestly, like, I felt really bad about it. And now looking back, I feel bad that I felt that bad. Um, but it was just a place I was in mentally. Um, and I I do feel that I have grown so much to appreciate just the way that my body is just the way it was born, the way it is. It it has taught me a lot about self-love and not about just loving the picture of myself that I desire to be. Um, and just speaking a lot of positivity over the different phases and seasons of, of my life and the way that my body looks because it never stays the same. That's one thing. Our bodies are always aging and changing. So the way it is now is not, you know, what it will probably be in five years. It can be healthy, but it might not be in the same package, might not look exactly the same. Does it mean that your, your body image has to suffer because you wish that it could be what it was before? Um, but that being said, I, I did have implants, um, put in a year after my second child was born. And honestly, you know, I met with a surgeon and I, at that point, cause that was 
uh, about six and a half, seven years ago. Um, so I was very much kind of on that quest of holistic medicine and alternative approaches to health, but I had no idea the impact of implants on the body. And when you meet with, you know, your surgeon, they'll say, well, the FDA's approved it and it's safe. Um, you know, here's the fine print of all the risks associated with surgery, but beyond that, you know, your ship shape, good to go. So I had the surgery and it was probably, you know, within a year that I started noticing, um, a lot of changes in my gut. So the biggest issue for me was a lot of IBS related symptoms. So constipation, diarrhea, um, I was one or the other all the time. And I'm like, you know, my diet's progressively gotten better because I've been learning a lot more starting this business. And never did I think it was the implants because at that time that was just never on my radar. I didn't know of anybody talking about that. Um, but then I started having some weird episodes. I had one where I was in a grocery store and I had my grocery cart in the line. And I remember just standing there and all of a sudden the ground beneath me just kind of felt like it was tilting. And I thought, I'm going to fall over. Like my whole equilibrium just shifted. And I, I, I kind of like quickly looked around me, like who's going to help me because I'm, I'm going to fall over. And I kind of like hunched over on the card and put my head down and I looked up and I mean, everything was so blurry. I ended up just leaving. Cause I was like, I, I don't know what's going on. It kind of gave me a lot of uh, fear and panic in that moment. And it didn't ever happen again. Um, until like six or eight months later. And I had another episode like that. And at, when I talked to my doctor, nobody was you know, like, well, it's just kind of an off thing. We don't really know. Um, but I, I realized very quickly that that was not really the only symptom. Like I, these GI issues were coming. I was losing weight so quickly. Um, I was about 25 pounds lighter than I am now. I mean, I was skin and bone, um, and I was eating like 3000 calories a day. I mean, I could not understand how I could possibly be losing weight like this. Um, so I started just digging and doing research and I asked my doctor, do you think this could be my implants? I saw somebody post on a Facebook page about it and he said, no, no, that has nothing to do with it. And I thought, well, I think I have parasites. I think I have gut infections. Can you test for it? They tested for Giardia and that was it. And, um, it came back negative and I said, well, I wanted like a full GI map, like a full GI test. And they said, oh, we don't do that. You know, that's, that's just not within our scope. You're fine. You don't have parasites. So again, I just went about my own business of trying to find everything out. And I told my husband, I think I have breast implants and I think they're giving me gut infections. And I look like a shell of a person. I can't possibly go any longer. I need to get them out. So I found a great surgeon, had the explant surgery. It's been a little over a year since I've had it. And I've put on 20 pounds. I did do, had to do several gut pathogen protocols um, that I did on my own. I did test my gut. I had H. pylori. Um, I had blasto, uh, crypto. I had candida out the wazoo. There were infections all over the place. My whole, my whole thing was just red. Um, and so I have since cleared all of those. But what was interesting to me is, is that the, the parasites themselves you know, oftentimes they are somewhat protective because they feed on heavy metals and these breast implants are full of heavy metals and they have cadmium and lead and, um, arsenic. And, you know, even though we think of them as just being in this capsule, they're not leaking plastics in your body. They do leach into the capsule of the implant and the capsule is, is a biofilm. It's, it's like scar tissue. And so in that scar tissue, you get all of these heavy metals, and then you get all of the parasites that can manifest in that tissue. So it was like the, the parasites were feeding on the implants, which were keeping me from absorbing those metals into other tissues of my body, but it was creating a cascade of inflammation. So I had all these food sensitivities. So I had leaky gut, which was creating tons of just diarrhea, like I, everything that was going in me, none of the nutrition was getting to my cells. Um, so it was almost like I was starving my cells of nutrition 
Um, and it created, I remember doing a, a cortisol, like a stress panel. Um, and my cortisol was through the roof, um, because my body was incredibly stressed. It had, it had no fuel, no nutrition to work with. Um, and then it also had the interference of the implants, you know, they're, you're not born with these, your body doesn't understand that you chose to put them in your immune system sees them and thinks this has got to go this. We don't know what this is, but it's harmful to our body. So it sends out all of these um, inflammatory chemicals basically to fight it. And every single day, your immune system is at battle with your own body. And that can create autoimmune disorders and skin issues and rashes, hair loss. I had hair like falling out. Like in, I couldn't even believe it. My hairdresser even finally said, Courtney, your, your hair, like it's half of what it used to be which for any woman, you know, that's the last thing you want to hear your hairdresser say. So all of these symptoms that were re highly undesirable for me and very much not linked to what we would assume breast implants, you know, would have any correlation to. Um, but there was this one massive toxic element in my body creating so much stress that every system was completely out of whack and dysregulated. So, you know, symptoms can just vary so much, but if, if you're somebody that has had implants and here's the other thing too, I'll just say this because it's really hard sometimes to identify the role that implants could be playing because there isn't this instant cause and effect. You know, sometimes we'll eat a food and we think, oh, I'm bloated. I can't go to the bathroom. Like I know that that food, whatever it was, that was probably what caused the insult and the symptoms implants for a lot of women, you know, you can go for years. You could go. I mean, I've had some women that I've worked with eight to 10 years that their implants have, you know, been in and they think, well, I never, I've never had problems until just now. So it can't be the implants because I've had those for a decade. So why wouldn't I have had problems before? Well, your body has an ability to adapt to stress. It's made to do that. It, it, it has to, otherwise we would never be able to survive because we're always being insulted by different levels of stress. It's just that when that threshold and tolerance level, you hit the maximum capacity, then your body's like, okay, we can't keep doing it. And everything begins to suffer. Your thyroid begins to become downregulated. Um, now we've got toxins floating in the bloodstream. The brain begins to get inflamed and we start feeling things like brain fog or even vision problems. Um, but you know, you wake up one day and think, oh, these, this has to be something else. Um, and it's not, it's just that you had a window of time where your body was still fighting them. It was still a problem. It's just that it wasn't to a level that it became symptomatic because you had that adaptive reserve. So know that going in, like there's no one safe implant. There's just not, you know, silicone, saline, gummy bear, textured, all of these different varieties and types, they are all a threat to your body. So there's not one that's going to be, that's going to just be neutral, like meaning it has no effect. Our bodies just are not designed to harbor something that it did not exist with when you were born. So you know, I don't ever want anybody to feel like shame or pressure when talking about that. Cause I know for some women, they start thinking like, Oh no, this is another thing I have to think about. Everybody has their own journey with breast implant illness. It took me probably 18 months to finally wrap my head around. I need to do this. I need to get them out because I liked them. <laughs> I mean, you know, there, I, I fixed a cosmetic issue that I wasn't happy with. And I thought, okay, now I'm going to have to undergo another surgery, which I didn't want to do. And I'm going to have to get them removed and go back to the way I was before. Um, but I will tell you, you know, a little over a year and having them out and I feel better than I ever have. All of those symptoms are completely gone. Um, I just, and I truthfully have a new respect for my body. Like I, I feel bad. I put my body through that, but I also realized like what a gift I gave it in removing that implant, those implants, because it was doing what it was designed to do to protect me. And I was essentially putting my body in a very, um, 
vulnerable position for five years. So um, explore research. There is a ton of information that's out there. A lot of women are speaking up about it. It used to be a little taboo. I think, you know, nobody wants to talk about their implants, but you know, I just feel empowered. Like if it can help one person that's suffering, you know, you don't have to, and there, there is a way to support your body, you know, get on the other side, allow your body that space to heal. Wow. What a story. And I was only, (laughs) I only became familiar myself a few years back. I think a lot of, I think there's like a Facebook group, isn't there? That's like got hundreds of thousands Yes. followers um I'll link that in the show notes for anyone who's interested but even at my nutrition school and um like five plus years back I had never heard of this before similar to what I was dealing with mold illness that was never something that crossed my radar and I wish that I heard someone just even mention it uh, as a possible factor because that would have saved so much time so I'm really glad that you shared that and I have spoken before um, on the podcast about hidden stressors so when people think about stress they just think of like the kids and finances and all of that which is, is important but it's important to look at physical stressors and emotional um, stress energetic blocks too um, so symptoms I love that you said that your body just constantly fighting this foreign object in the body and because your immune system's going crazy and your gut is impaired that has the Um, possibilities to affect every single cell and system and symptom in the body do you love coffee but have been told it's bad and needs to be avoided if you're struggling with hormone imbalances like acne pms and period problems honestly most coffee out there should be avoided because the majority are contaminated with things like mold and pesticides which can drive inflammation and those feelings like anxiousness and jitteriness after drinking But what if I told you there was a coffee option that tastes great, is organic and mold-free, and also provides healing properties from reishi mushroom spores? Enter Organo King Coffee, my latest obsession. I didn't drink it for years because it would always wreck my sleep and leave me feeling like an anxious mess. But King Coffee does the exact opposite. Don't worry, it's not one of those fake coffee alternatives made from herbs. And if you've tried other mushroom coffee brands out there, I promise this one actually tastes good and is way better and provides so many more health benefits. If you haven't already heard of the benefits of reishi mushroom or Ganoderma, then let me give you a quick overview. It's known as the king of medicinal mushroom family due to its superpowers such as supporting healthy immune balance and being an adrenal adaptogen. This means if your immune system's overactive due to autoimmunity or suppressed because of things like chronic infections, and you're not really sure if your cortisol levels are high or low, the ratio can help to balance things out and it promotes homeostasis within the body. It's also antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, anti-inflammatory, pretty much everything that we want from a product. Because of its potency, I'd recommend starting slowly if you're someone who's struggling with more complex chronic health issues or is sensitive. If you're thinking, why can't I just take a ratio mushroom supplement? Good question. Organo use a patented process to gently crack the inner and outer shell, offering 99% bioavailability of the reishi mushroom spores. I also explain this as being like the differences with probiotics, the regular lactobacillus, bifidobacterium options that we can all buy readily in health food shops have some benefit, but nowhere near as much as the spore-based probiotics that I use all the time with clients. Wanting to give Organo King Coffee a try for yourself? visit vivanaturalhealth.myorganogold.com. This will all be spelled out and linked in the episode show notes and also my bio link on Instagram. I really hope you love it as much as I do, but now let's get back to the show. Are there any other kind of words of wisdom for those out there who are struggling with it? Um, And do you think that everyone is potentially affected? I think that there are definitely... Um, byproducts, negative byproducts of having implants. I think the way that it affects everybody is a little bit different. You know, you cannot put something that like in and of itself is actually full of plasticizers and metals. I mean, that is, that is what makes up silicone and saline implants. Um, And there's no way to shield yourself from any influence of that in the body. You know, I've, I've said before, 
um, to some other folks and, and kind of giving an analogy, like we, we always say, like, don't drink out of plastic water bottles, um, you know, remove a lot of plastics in your home. If you're cooking, you know, you never want to heat anything up in plastic. Um, essentially think of it as putting, you know, plastic Tupperware or plastic water bottles in your body. And then they're just sitting there. There's no possible way that those are not going to leach some level of toxicity into your cells and into the tissues of your body. It, there, it, you can't. So whether that becomes symptomatic for somebody or not, you know, varies from person to person. But I think there is definitely, there, there is a sacrifice. If you do it, you just have to know what you're getting and what you're, what you're at risk for. And I think that we're just living in a day and age where we are so inundated with so many stressors. Like you said, all of these hidden stressors, whether it's, you know, Wi-Fi and EMFs or um, it could just be toxic chemicals, things that we're spraying on lawns and things that get on um, pesticides and herbicides on our foods. There are so many different things that our body is having to manage at one time. And all it takes is that one extra stressor that tips the scales and that stress response in your body is like, I cannot keep it up. And you've got, again, that immune system that just stays in the on position. And when it stays on all the time, you put yourself at risk for all kinds of disease to form. So your cells just don't get the opportunity to heal and regenerate. You stay in this inflamed state and that, that is a perfect climate for disease. So I just think that if that is something that you're, you're struggling with, don't close your mind off to it. Trust me. I wanted to, I wanted to fix everything else. I thought, what if I just help my body in all the other categories? Can it just manage the implants on its own? Um, but it, you know, it, it can't, I just kept coming back to the fact that I really want for my body to have as many things working for it as possible. And I, the, the number one thing any health coach or holistic doctor will say is you've got to remove the offenders. You know, you can't keep eating a bad diet and then just up, up the exercise and up the detox. You've got to get the removal of the offenders if, if that's something that's in your control. So yeah, I do think that it affects everybody. It's just a little bit different. You know, we're all wired a little bit differently. We were all born with a different microbiome. Um, so we have different genetic proclivities. So it's something definitely worth exploring, even if you are not symptomatic. It's start putting your mindset in a place of, of wanting to always position your body in the healthiest way, because at some point you might need to make that decision to say, you know what, I can't compromise anymore. Like I need to have everything working in my favor so I can have long-term health. It's the same with the birth control pill. Like if you want to understand the risks and take that pill every day, knowing that there are potential downsides, that's completely fine. That's your choice. You should be aware of, you should be taught and told some of the potential risks as well. But do you think with surgeons and doctors, do you think that they actually know this stuff or do you think that it's just not common knowledge? You know, breast implant illness is, it's not even like a diagnosis. It's kind of just this term that we've placed kind of as like a blanket over all of these symptoms that people or doctors, individuals can't really identify what the actual root cause is. It's, you know, if you present with all of these symptoms and we can't really identify where it's coming from, maybe it's breast implant illness. It's like IBS, like a wastebasket term. They rely like inflammatory yeah. bowel disease and cancer, and then they just tell you that it's IBS and live with it. Yes, absolutely. And that's, you know, it, and, and some doctors, I will tell you, I've had some friends that have also, since my explant, have seen different surgeons and they'll come back to me like completely deflated and say, Courtney, I, you know, I told them, I think that this is affecting my health. I want them out. And the doctor just kind of, you know, just gives them a pass like, oh, you know, you're, that's completely false that there, there's no data. There's nothing to support that. These things have been around forever. You know, it has nothing to do with the implants. Um, and that's just completely untrue. I don't know what kind of like science we need to back it up when we have tens of thousands of women that have unexplainable symptoms that are debilitating. I mean, they are, are 
like interfering with their life in a huge capacity. And then they have an explant surgery. And two weeks later, their bodies rebounded in ways that it never had the potential to do for months, if not years before. So, you know, to me, I'm like, okay, that, that says a lot. And, and some of those, like the Facebook page we talked about, and there are a lot of groups of women that will, I I think really do empower and kind of, um, take the stigma and the shame away from the discussion around breast implant illness. So I think that can be really helpful, but know that if you do go to a doctor, not everyone is going to believe you. Not everyone thinks that the breast implants are causing any issues at all. And, and I think you have to really do some legwork on finding the right doctor for you. So the person that did my implants was a different surgeon that did my explants. So, and, and my explant surgeon is phenomenal. And he, the bulk of his cases now, I mean, that's about, I think 70 to 80% of all of his cases now are explant surgeries. And, and I even asked him one time when I was in a follow-up appointment, I said, did you ever think when you went to medical school to get into plastic surgery, that the majority of your cases would be removing these medical devices? And he said, no, never in a million years. You know, we train on doing all of these cosmetic surgeries, adding all of these things to people's bodies. And here I am now, I'm actually helping people feel better by every day, removing the very things that I thought I would be doing to help people, you know, and help people feel better about themselves. So it's, it is really interesting just how it varies from doctor to doctor. Um, Don't feel depressed or um, defeated if you interview a couple of doctors and you you just feel like they judged you or they're not on the same page. It's just not the right fit. There are plenty of doctors out there and there are several lists, which I love. I I found my doctor through a Facebook group and and one of the um, members had actually put together a list of all of the surgeons that everybody had used on that Facebook page all over the world. And that helpful because you got a lot of, you know, reviews from people that had gone through the same experience or, or had gone through an experience that you were get embarking on. So, you know, find those, those community support groups, because it can be very helpful, um, in not feeling alone and not feeling like you're going into a doctor and they're just going to kind of brush you off or, um, shoot you down and, and say that you don't know what you're talking about. I know there might be people listening who have breast implants or who are considering it in the future, who might feel a little bit overwhelmed right now. But this whole podcast is about addressing the root causes of hormone issues. And you could waste so much time and money and effort just trying to mask and manage symptoms. And I see people doing this like they're just taking herbal medicine or bioidentical progesterone but they're still and having to eat like a super strict diet and take all of these supplements. But if it is breast implant illness that is causing your issues, then this is amazing because if you address that, then all of the upstream problems, downstream problems, should I say, just kind of resolve on their own. If you give your body that extra helping hand. So this is like a real root cause problem that not a lot of people know about. It is. Yeah. I mean, I, I will tell you the, as soon as I had my implants put in and I had no issues with fertility with my first two, I stopped having a period, did not have one for five years. So like, you know, and and female hormones are like that, you know, if our body says, Hey, it is not safe here to um, grow a human life and, and support pregnancy. It is not going to let you get pregnant. And I never, I was just like, oh, well, you know, I guess I lost my cycle. I don't know. And, and I thought part of it was because I was losing so much weight and, you know, some women would be like, well, this is great. No cycle. And you're losing weight. Well, it, it, it can't trust me. I mean, I would have heart palpitations at night and night sweats. And I mean, I thought I was like dying in the middle of the night. Cause I would, I would feel my heart racing, you know, it felt like it was beating out of my chest. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was again, another red flag that my body, on the inside was at a extremely high level of stress and it shut down the moment I got those implants, it shut down the hormones responsible for fertility. And I was blown away. I thought, wow, that's, I mean, that was like rapid. Like my body just, just did an assessment and said, this is not good. Um, and, and again, and it was, it never came back until my, my implants were removed. Um, so yeah, just another, you know, again, like 
for females. If, if you've got some things that you're just struggling with, if you're not looking at that and you have implants, definitely just start learning a little bit more. I know it's a journey. I wrestle with it. I tried not to think about it. I tried not to do research about it because I did not want it to be my implants. But the more I ignored it, the more I, I just felt this draw, like I needed, I needed to address, you know, I needed to just turn over that stone and say, is this a possibility? So it took me a good 18 months from the time I initially heard about it till the time I was actually getting my explants done. But I will tell you, I learned a lot. And by the time I was ready to have that explant surgery, I was so excited. I could not wait to get on the other side. And do you agree that you've probably gone through what you went through to help now other people? Yes, a hundred percent. I even had breakfast with two women last week that, um, I, one of them was actually a client of mine that I had never met in person, but I've known her for a couple of years. And when I first got connected to her, she had been working with some incredible doctors all over the country and nobody could figure out why she was so sick. And she, she was like, I can't even get out of bed. I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm in my mid fifties and this is it for me. Like I am, I am so sick and I don't know what to do. And I just asked her because it was in that moment that I was booking my explant surgery. I said, do you have breast implants by chance? And she said, yeah, you know, I, I've had them. I actually have had them for like 22 years. I said, has anybody asked you if, if that could be contributing to the symptoms of why you're so sick? And she said, no, nobody has. Um, and so she actually, I just started telling her, I said, look, I just learned about this myself. I'm actually getting explant surgery because I've had some things going on. And she said, Courtney, I'm just, I, I feel like you were sent to me to tell me this. And she had explant surgery two days before, before I did. Um, so we had like timed it and we were communicating afterwards. Um, but I actually met her last week. Now this has been a, a year since then, um, since the ex, her explant and mine. And she's like, I have my life back. She's like, I don't know if we had never had that conversation, if we ever would have figured that out. She's like, I can't tell you how grateful I am. You know, my family and my kids, like, I did not think I had much of a future left because of how debilitating my pain level was. Um, and so if it was just for that one person, I'm like, this, this had purpose. So you, anybody listening, like you could have that same journey too. And it doesn't mean you've got to be a health coach or be in the wellness space. It could just be a friend of yours. Chances are, you know, anybody that's close to you that has breast implants. And it's just a matter of just asking them that question. Hey, have you ever considered this? because it may be just that one moment, that one question that alters their future of their health. Totally agree. And is there anything that you did um, specifically to help you heal and detox afterwards? Or was it just like, have them removed? Um, I know that you said about the gut infections. Um, could you talk a little bit about your treatment and if there was any like liver support or anything to support your recovery from surgery even? Yes. Um, so I did do some different detox regimens. Um, I had started working on some of the gut regimens prior to getting my implants out. Um, but I actually realized after about a month in, I, I was like, you know, I'm going to put the pause button because I quickly realized that these bugs were kind of like the garbage disposal for a lot of the, the toxins that were being leached in my body, which, so it seems weird to be like, well, I'd rather keep my bugs, but they were actually kind of protecting me from another layer of toxicity. So I worked on just upregulating liver detoxification, making sure that I was um, getting ample glutathione. Um, I was doing a lot of uh, herbal li liver support. So some milk thistle, dandelion, lots of bitter greens, um, amino acids are really important for liver detoxification. So making sure I was getting great sources of protein, keeping my diet as clean as possible. Um, and then I also was doing a lot of um, sauna, infrared sauna use. So just sweating, that's a, a great way to help eliminate toxins. So I was using, we, thankfully we do have an infrared sauna in our home. And so I was using that on a regular basis um, but then post-surgery, you, you kind of have to take it in phases. I think I got really excited to just like, you know, just start throwing everything out and just like, let's detox everything. But 
again, you only have a certain capacity to detoxify. <laughs> you know, your liver is the main organ responsible for that detoxification. And, and you've got to take a, a multi-tiered approach to doing that. So um, again, using some N-acetylcysteine, glutathione twice a day um, in the morning and at night. Um, and then I started layering in that gut protocol. And so I use several different herbal forms. Um, and for probably four to six months after I was doing some binders. So some heavy metal environmental toxin binders, um, just to kind of help trap and mop up the mess of, of everything that was left over. It is really important to note that if you are getting an explant surgery, that your surgeon does remove the capsule around the implant because that is where all of that nasty stuff resides. Um, if they just take the implants out, that's, that's great. But now we're leaving behind kind of like the rotted dead roots. It's like you just took the plant and just shaved it off and tossed the green stuff and left all the roots. Well, the roots are going to sit in there and rot and create all kinds of toxicity. So making sure that they carve out and get that entire capsule, that's really important. So make sure if you're talking to a surgeon that you address that too. Um, but heavy duty binders, um, multiple herbal protocols. And I had to pulse those on and off. So I would do some, some gut stuff and then I would come off of it for a month or two. And I would focus on some immune supportive, um, and gut rebuilding supplements. I used, um, some colostrum even at times to help rebuild that mucosal lining to help fuel my immune system. Um, so yeah, it was, a it was, it was kind of a bit of a journey and I, I, saw changes in my body pretty, pretty quickly as I kind of worked through those different regimens. But I will say almost every person is probably going to need to do a gut protocol because I had a ton of gut bugs. And again, you've got to go slow because you start killing off a lot of things too quickly. And, and those are biofilms too. You got a lot of biofilms in your body as a result of those implants. And so as you begin to break those down, they actually become more toxic to the body until you can actually excrete them. So doing the binders, doing the herbals, berberine, um, wormwood, garlic, all of the things that are antibacterial and antiviral are very, very helpful, but take it very slow too. Yeah, not just straight up out of surgery. You don't want to be putting an additional stress on the body, even though it's ultimately a good thing that you're going to work on your gut. You need to give your body time to rest. And I love that you said it's going to take time. It's not going to be like a four week gut cleanse and you're good, especially if you've had other, well, we all have environmental exposures and metals and all of that. It's going to take a few months at least. And I'm, I'm glad that you addressed the phased approach because if you're not going to the bathroom every day and you're trying to kill off parasites and bacteria, you're going to feel way sicker doing that. Oh yeah, you totally will. And lymphatic massage is great too. So once you're healed enough to actually do that, I, it was probably about six weeks after my surgery, but I was able to get a couple of good massages just to stimulate the lymph system. So you, we can start moving some of that sludge out and just walking. I mean, I just remember every day, like I, I would wake up and I could feel a little swollen and puffy and I would take some glutathione and then I would go for a walk and obviously lots of filtered water too, just for hydration and just moving that stuff out. But in moving your body, you can kind of start to process and get everything moving that's been stagnant and just sitting overnight. So sleep is huge, obviously lots of rest and recovery. Let your body do that work at night. You can't compromise on sleep, lots of filtered water, lots of antioxidants, and then, you know, all kinds of herbals and support systems for liver detoxification is, is incredibly valuable. And why was it that you decided to start your own supplement line? Were you just finding that the quality of regular brands online weren't great? Yeah, I've been working with so many clients and I would try to piece together these protocols for women and, you know, all these different supplements. And, and it's not to say there aren't good supplement companies out there, but I could never find one place that I felt like had all of what I needed that met the standards that I was looking for. And a lot of it has to do with the processing. It, it has to deal with the actual raw ingredients that we are, you know, talking about, like that, that we want to use, like the, the raw ingredients that many people say, oh, cordyceps are really good and chlorophyll is really good. Well, they are really good, but what it, what's in them? You know, what are we, what are they contaminated with other types of metals? And again, like 
glyphosate or um, other harmful pesticides because that stuff is everywhere. I mean, it can Things be like mold, mold. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Mycotoxins for sure. I mean, contaminate so much. Um, so I wanted to find a place that I could trust that every single ingredient was tested so rigorously that it was just that pure one ingredient in there. And there weren't any excipients. So like little fillers and you'll see magnesium sterates and vegetable sterates and all kinds of um, extra uh, fillers that kind of help keep the capsule and the formulation um, kind of like a certain texture. So I started working with a lab and realized that I had an opportunity there to create my own brand. And I was so excited. I jumped all over it. It was about a year ago um, and created these products for people that I know are incredibly pure, that there's a certificate of analysis on everything that you can track and trace back every single ingredient. And over 60% of the raw materials are even disregarded and thrown out or rejected because they do not meet the standards. So even when, you know, these different farms are being vetted for their particular ingredient that we're using, they have standards in place, but even the raw materials that they bring in sometimes by the time it reaches us, something has maybe happened, you know, in their processing of the actual element. And so when we go to test it, we say, Hey, this isn't what it's supposed to be. We have to get rid of it. So it just, it really puts the emphasis on the quality because nobody wants to be taking supplements with a side of chemicals, with a side of extra molds. Um, you know, we want stuff that is purely what it says it is that's actually going to help the body. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, trust the fancy labels and they look nice and, and they've got all these different types of verifications on there. But at the end of the day, if we were to really look at it, we'd probably be surprised at what we would find that's in there. <laughs> trying to do a good thing and spending your money and yeah. maybe buying the cheaper options, but they're probably cheap for a reason. And I bet you've learned so many like secrets um, of like companies not providing good products. And there may be these good brands out there and um, even on Amazon counterfeit products are a huge issue what they say in the label isn't what's inside so it's a scary world with supplements um, and that's something that's been on my radar like should I do something like that in the future because I agree otherwise you're trying to formulate your own perfect set of supplements and that could be difficult so I'm glad that <laughs> your company and it's Plant Rx am I right? Yep Plant Rx Amazing. Yep. so um, yeah, there's several products on there. Great daily support. Um, I have one, I always tell people to smell it. Um, well, there's two of them that are very fragrant and I think it just goes to, it speaks to the quality of the ingredients. So the plant nutrient supplement, um, honestly, it smells like a garden. I mean, it smells so potent. You can smell the garlic, you can smell the greens. Um, and that's the way it should be. I mean, if you, there are several supplements where I've opened the bottle and it smells like chemicals and plastic and sterile. Um, and that's not what I would envision a supplement being, you know, I want to use real materials, real foods. That's what the body knows. Um, so not having isolates that have been refined or that have been made in a lab that are completely synthetic. You know, for my form of vitamin C is a very bioavailable form of vitamin C because it has bioflavonoids and it comes from amla berry and, and other whole food sourced ingredients. So it's something that the body can use and it has this entourage of other elements that help the expression and the uptake of those nutrients. It's not just ascorbic acid that's synthetic and made in a lab. Um, and then the, the sleep blend that I have um, has lavender in it. And when you open the bottle, I mean, you get this aroma of, I mean, it smells like a spa. It smells like lavender, um, but it has several other things in there. L-theanine, which can be really good as a kind of a calming support before bed. Um, it has magnesium in a malate form. So it's bioavailable to the body. Also very calming skull cap, valerian root. So it's, it's, it's just a very beautiful blend of, um, things that we know they're tonifying to that rest and restore that parasympathetic part of our nervous system. So definitely I, you know, if anybody wants to check it out, my heart and soul is into it. 
I break the capsules open, like the vitamin C's and other things that I give them to my kids that can't swallow pills yet. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they're supplements that I'm giving to my family that I'm taking on a regular basis. And I'm just so excited to have the opportunity to share it with other people. Sound amazing. And I've not tried any, but from what you just described and just from your, um, your experience and all of that, they're totally approved by the Hormones in Harmony podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I need to get you some. <laughs> and I was going to ask one of my, I ask a few final questions about you personally. The first one was going to be what's one supplement or food that you couldn't live without? Would it be one of those two products that you just mentioned? Yeah, I I do love the sleep blend. I I it's like a part of my nightly regimen because I do I try to have like a whole practice around sleep, which sometimes it's like a 10 minute thing because let's be honest, you know, life is busy. But um I I do two of the sleep blend capsules. I do that while I do like a magnesium bath um or like an Epsom salt bath and and just try to have like a hot tea or something. So to me, it's all about the experience. So if you can kind of create, you know, you can't just out supplement a bad lifestyle and poor habits. So I try to, you know, make everything intentional, but try to make it an experience. So that's definitely one thing that I would miss if I didn't have it. <laughs> I would be sad. Love that. What's one thing that you do daily to stay in hormonal harmony? Oh, you know, I go for walks every day. It's to me, if I don't take those mental breaks just to get some fresh air, I know we were talking earlier about how it's so cold, but it for me is just a way to decompress way to like move my body passively. It's not stressful and just to have some downtime. So, you know, for hormones, for sure, you know, getting a handle on the stress response in your body you cannot be stressed out all day and have good hormones. So you've got to find moments, even if it's for five or 10 minutes, and maybe you can't walk, but you can just do some deep breathing or stretching, whatever it is, just get in the habit of doing it because your hormones and your health are going to rely on it to keep you healthy. 100%. Is there a book recommendation that you can share? So on any of the subjects that we've covered today, so motherhood, children's health, hormones, um, breast implants, anything that you want to share with the listeners? Yeah. So this one's maybe a little bit off of the topic of today, but it's one I've been reading. Um, and I do think it's very relevant though. Um, it's called sleep smarter by Sean Stevenson. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I, you know, we were just talking about creating a practice around sleep. That's one area that I know I've compromised as a mom. I'm like, okay, I'll wait till the kids go to bed and then I'll hurry up and try to do all the other things I didn't have time to do. And it's 8 9 o'clock at night and I'm starting projects. I'm doing laundry and I'm meal prepping and I'm responding to emails. And I think I, this is not the time. 9 p.m. should not be the time to start these things. And he's really made me realize that this could be one of the most important pieces of our day that, you know, often it's just, it's not glamorous. We don't, you know, we always think about it as like, well, you know, if you need to hustle, like that's what you can carve into. You stay up late at night and just cover the ground that you miss during the day, but you cannot do it. Um, you will really put yourself in a bad position. Your health um, relies on you being able to recover every single day. So I actually got it put it by my bedside and I was like, I'm going to read a chapter every night instead of watching TV or getting on my phone. So it's actually been great. I have, I have enjoyed it. I feel good when I go to bed. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm into it. I've read that as well. It's a really good book and I love his podcast. I think it's called the model health show. Really great. Yep, one. Yep. It's one of the first podcasts that I ever listened to. So great. <gasps> Me too. Yeah. So I'll put them in the show notes for everyone who hasn't heard of him. And very last question, Courtney, is where can people find you online? Are you on social media? Um, how do you work with clients as well? Because I'm sure people are interested. Yes, I would love to connect. So please find me on Instagram. I'm at organic underscore blondie. Um, I also am online at organicblondielife.com. So you can find me there. There is a ton of information on my website, all about functional labs. You can read about all of the ones that I work with clients on. You can even purchase them directly through my website. Um, you can book a discovery session with me um, through my website or through my Instagram. So you can head over there and do that. It's a free call just to get to know me and for me to get to know you and see if we're a good fit. I work with people in um, group platforms and then also individually. So 
You know, I, I love to connect in whatever way, you know, works for people. And um, I also have a couple of courses that are online. They're totally self-paced that people can do, but definitely just, you know, find me on Instagram if you're there. That's where I spend the majority of my time. And I would love to connect with you virtually and, um, and hear more about your story. Great. Thank you so much again. This has been really jam-packed with information. I hope there's people out there, I know that there's going to be people out there who this benefits. Um, thank you again for sharing your story and I'm so happy that you're feeling better. Yes. Thank you so much, Vivian. This has been such a joy. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you would love a free copy of my hormone-friendly recipes guide, please leave me a rating and review and I will email you a copy as a thank you gift. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review and send it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. This guide contains delicious gluten, dairy, grain, and refined sugar-free recipes, and all the meals contain specific hormone superfoods. Don't worry, there are no boring salad recipes included. Come and say hi over on Instagram at Viva Natural Health, as I share a ton of free content every day and you can get to know more about me and how I stay hormonally healthy. If you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk, for my blog and many free guides which cover everything from clearing acne to gut health and hair loss. If you're ready to identify and address the root causes of your hormonal issues, whether that's acne, PMS, PCOS, hair loss or problematic periods, take that first step today and apply for an enrolment call on my website. We'll use this call to discuss the steps that you need to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony and how I could help you get there. See you back here next week for another episode.